Welcome inside another episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. We've got week 15 for the Jaguars on deck. Week 14's in the books. Jaguars continued their losing streak or winning streak from a certain point of view against the Titans last week in a demoralizing or invigorating, again, depending on your point of view, 31 to 10 beat down at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. They travel to Baltimore this week to take on Lamar Jackson, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, and the rest of those Ravens on Sunday. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. Jeremy, what is good? Everything is good except for Jaguars football, man. I mean, it really just kind of puts it all into perspective, you know, the last couple weeks of, of playing close games and you think to yourself, you know, well, what happens if the Jaguars do win? And then, you know, you get into a game like this where things aren't competitive and the Jaguars are kind of back to their old ways. And then, you know, you kind of realize, wow, this really does suck. Um, so that, that's where we're at with the season right now. Yeah, it was an ugly game. Um, they did stay competitive for most of the first half. We'll get into that. Obviously, we'll break down the loss to the Titans. We'll look ahead to the matchup with the Ravens. And then we'll take a look at some offseason free agency strategy. Everybody always wants to start with the draft. But in the offseason process, you start with free agency. So we'll take a look at that a little bit, not get too hot and heavy into it. We don't have a ton of time today, so we might have to cut that out and save it for next week. But uh, we'll just see how we progress through here. Reminder to check out genjag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis to get all your Duval merch. Of course, you can also go check out UCF Jaguar on YouTube. He's dropping a lot of videos. I went on there live with him last night. You can find that on his YouTube channel, UCF Jaguar, where we've also got it uh, available on genjag.com. Big thank you to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and at their Riverside Tap Room on Roselle. So before we get into the Titans' loss, we'll talk about some injury updates here. Andrew Norwell and Chris Claybrooks have been designated to return from IR. Good news for the Jaguars, as both should help the team over the final three games of the season. Um, and it's fitting timing for Norwell to return as well, because his replacement, rookie Ben Barch, he was placed on the COVID list this week. So good to get Norwell back in the lineup. Um, and uh, he's a guy that's played very well this year. And Barch had been playing fairly well uh, at left guard in terms of pass protection. I think he could have been a little bit, uh, a little bit more aggressive, more nasty, and in, in the run blocking department. But he was doing very well in pass pro the last couple of weeks. But still, good to get Norwell back. Bad news for Brandon Linder. He's officially placed on IR with an ankle, which will mean he's not going to play again for the Jaguars this year. Trey Herndon. Uh, cornerback placed on the COVID list. So that hurts the Jaguars corner depth even more than it already is hurt with DJ Hayden out uh, on IR, CJ Henderson on IR. So some interesting news there. Obviously, if you're a Jaguars fan, you don't really care if they win. You, you probably want to see them lose at this point. So getting guys back, maybe not the most exciting thing for, for fans, but from a team perspective, coaches and players, I'm sure they're excited to get Andrew Norwell and Chris Claybrooks back in the lineup. Most definitely. And I mean, Norwell is a guy that you spend a lot of money on. Um, you expect him to still be a guy that you want to see produce going forward. And the timing of it is really key. Like you said, you know, with Barch uh, going on the, the COVID list and, and not being able to suit up next week, um, it, it definitely left a big hole in the offensive line. So getting Norwell back will at least make the product on the field as good as it can be. Um, I guess you can look at it that way. And 
Um, you're right. Ben Barch is a guy that I want to see play. Um, he was holding up, I think, fairly well. I mean, obviously, there's some holes in his game that you want to see him improve on, but he's a big guy. He's a nasty guy, I think. You know, you've seen him finish some plays uh, throughout the course of the last few weeks, especially that one where uh, he helped push the pile into the end zone about six, seven yards. I'd like to see that. Um, I would have liked to see him maybe move over to right guard because I think maybe he'll supplant AJ Can uh, in this next season coming up. So something that you want to see progress, but. Um, you know, the timing couldn't have been perfect to get Norwell back, and that's a guy that you need to to get into the rhythm of things and keep it going into next year because he's going to have to be a contributor. There's too much money tied up in him. Yeah, and then looking at Brandon Linder's absence, uh, Tyler Shatley's an excellent backup center, so not too worried there. He obviously doesn't play at the same level as Linder, but he's a, he's a good backup in there for you at center. Now, uh, and of course, getting Claybrooks back from injured reserve potentially – uh, to replace Trey Herndon, who's now on the COVID list, that is also helpful as well. So interesting the way that worked out for the Jaguars. Now we'll run through the recap, I guess, if you want to call it, from the Titans' <laughs> decimation of the Jaguars. Um, 31-10, to 10, like I mentioned. But on defense, they really held Henry in check until the waiting moments of the first half. He got outside the box and housed a 36-yarder with 44 seconds left, and that was kind of his uh, jumping-off point for just dominating the Jaguars the rest of the game, getting over 200 yards on the ground. The outside contain was abysmal after that. Uh, When you look at what the corners and guys on the edge were doing, had any one of C.J. Henderson, D.J. Hayden, or Chris Claybrooks been available, you might have seen a better effort towards the boundaries trying to contain the run. But, of course, they were not out there. So it was pretty ugly in the second half for the Jaguars' D. Derrick Henry is just an attrition back. I mean, he hits you, hits you, hits you again until the gates just open up. And I think that's what you saw on Sunday. Like you said, held him in check, you know, as the game progressed early. But when they needed him to be the guy that they needed him to be, you know, chew some clock chip away at the game and, and just pound the rock consistently. That's exactly who he was. And he continues to be the kryptonite for these Jaguars. I think he's played nine or, or 10 career games. Now I think it was nine against the Jaguars and has over a thousand yards rushing. I mean, he just comes and, and dominates in Duval. And, and even when we go there, he dominates us there too. So it's definitely a worrisome sight if the Jaguars do not figure this out uh, within the next couple of years, especially when it comes to the run game and really get a stout defense in there because Derrick Henry is a guy that you're going to have to deal with two times a year for the foreseeable future. I don't think the Titans are letting him go anytime soon. Um, you know, and he's just a guy that's just going to pound away at you consistently and wear you down. And and that's exactly what he did, you know, and it eventually became too much for this team. Yeah, the Jags, I mean, it doesn't help that they've been injured all year on the defensive side of the ball at various positions, but even if they did have a full uh, the full roster. I I still don't think they're slowing Derrick Henry down with the current roster construction. You would like to be able to slow down your division opponents, uh, especially the Titans. The Colts are also an excellent running team. So yeah, getting more stout against the run is going to be key in the future for the Jaguars. Ryan Tannehill to AJ Brown connection was on early. They had that uh, remarkable long touchdown pass. AJ Brown, it kind of just He plucked it out of the air and was able to reel it in with one hand. Good coverage by Sidney Jones, but just a better throw and catch from Tannehill and Brown, who are one of the most dangerous 
quarterback to wide receiver combinations in football right now. Absolutely. AJ Brown is a monster. And, you know, why wouldn't you go to him early and often, especially with the state of the secondary? Like you said, injuries, injuries, injuries have played a huge part. Do I think the outcome would have been drastically different had they been a full strength? No, I don't. But I think you would have seen a little bit more competitiveness. Um, and that play, obviously, just nothing you can do there. A great catch by A.J. Brown. I mean, the ball was initially a little bit underthrown. I think if Tannehill puts out a yard or two uh, further into the end zone, there's no contest there. Uh, you know, it definitely gave Sidney Jones the ability to catch up and, and make a play on that ball. But what are you going to do when a guy has the focus, attention, and ability to make a catch like that? Just one hand as that ball is about to flutter out of bounds. It was absolutely incredible to see. And you know that you're right. They're going to be a duo for a long time in this division. So the Jaguars are really going to have their work cut out for them going forward with with Tennessee in this division. Yeah, as long as the Titans have Derrick Henry in that run game and that play action game, Tannehill can thrive. And then you got AJ Brown. He makes it really easy to look good as a quarterback. Corey Davis has come on as well. Uh, John Smith. He's playing good football at tight end, but he is a free agent. We'll see what they do in regards to that, if they bring him back or whatnot. And then uh, flipping sides, or excuse me, same side of the ball here, Caleb Von Chason. He had another strong showing, leading the team in pressures. He hit Tannehill three times on just 11 pass rush snaps, so that was impressive. Um, after the Titans went into that downhill mode after they got a lead, Chason didn't play all that much after that point and wasn't able to really get after the passer because Titans were just pounding the rock. But in that first half, when the game was close, Chason was really making an impact rushing off the edge. And, uh, of course, a lot of that impact did come from a two-point stance. He has been making quite a splash over the last few weeks. And I know that you mentioned it on Twitter a few times. You know, if, if we see anything from Chase on in these last four games, like we saw out of him in the last four games of his senior season at LSU or last season, I don't remember if he came out earlier or not. We're going to yeah. see some. He was actually a sophomore. sophomore, sophomore. Redshirt sophomore. Right, so, so we're going to, so his last season at LSU, we're going to see improvement in this guy. And that's all that we've asked for. That's all we want to see is see some improvement. So I'm actually very interested, you know, as the off season approaches to, Look at some tape from earlier in the season and compare it to the tape later in the season, you know, these last couple games and see where exactly he's improving and what exactly they're doing with him. I think a lot of it is scheme, allowing him to stand up, move around, uh, really kind of, you know, make his moves from distance. He had a great spin move uh, on the on the Titans tackle uh, to, to lay a hit on Ryan Tannehill in the pocket. And that's something you want to see frequently. You want to see him getting in the backfield, obviously. You want to see him putting pressures on quarterbacks and, and letting him play the game the way it is designed for him to play. I don't think he's a guy who can put his hand in the dirt. I really don't. So I'm going to be very, very intrigued to go back, look at early season tape, look at late season tape, see what they're doing with him scheme-wise, where they're moving him around, mixing it up, and what is creating you know, that successful attack for him because it has been a lot better these last few weeks. Yeah, I think it's a combination of, you know, growing into the NFL. Like we said, Richard, sophomore, didn't play a whole lot in college, didn't have a long transition period, no real offseason. So uh, it's that combined with the fact that they're allowing him to rush the passer uh, from a two-point stance more often now. I think that's that's what it'll be. And gosh... I'm. I'll tell you right now. I'm not going to go back and look at his early season tape because it's ugly. <laughs> it was, I'm not going to do. It wasn't that great. Season. It wasn't great. But I've. I've got to see. You know where where something clicked, man. Something clicked for him because he's not. He's not getting tied up on offensive linemen, and that's something that I do know that I saw a lot early on this year. Is 
he's getting too close to these guys. He's not he's not a big outside linebacker. He's really not. He's he's a smaller frame guy. He's got to use that speed that he has in getting around these guys. When he gets too close to these big linemen with these long arms, they just lock him up and it's game over. You're not going to move those guys. You're not going to push any weight. Um, so I, I'm interested, but yeah, it wasn't pretty early on. Certainly not. Uh, one player who has been just consistently performing well for the Jaguars defense on the defensive line when he's gotten the reps is Doug Coston. He had another strong outing. Uh, he's now ranked ninth amongst all rookies in terms of PFF grades this season. So that's really great to see for him. Undrafted free agent. He hasn't been popping off those pressures like we initially saw, but he's still been very consistent against the run. And uh, he's definitely a building block moving forward, probably as a rotational guy, maybe your third defensive lineman to come in, or uh, perhaps even more than that in the future if he continues to develop. He's definitely a guy who has earned himself a spot on this team for next year. And I hope that whoever comes in and takes the general manager job sees that, you know, sees the motor this guy has, the effort that he's put in when he's gotten the reps. And I mean, he's, his, his snap count has been increasing consistently throughout the year. And there's a reason why. He's been getting better. He's been performing. Um, you know, he has he has etched out a spot for himself in this rotation permanently, in my opinion, uh, until, you know, obviously we get somebody better or, or he doesn't perform otherwise. But he's a young guy who's showing what he can do in this league, and he's slowly edging out a former first-round draft pick for playing time. I mean, Taven Bryan has barely seen the field the last few weeks, and he's just not producing at the level – that that Costin is, and it's great to see. Hopefully, this guy can be, uh, like you said, a center point of this defense. If it's rotational, it's rotational. But that's great to have three or four uh, guys deep, especially on that interior defensive line. When you've got a pounder like Derrick Henry running the ball at you all game, you're going to need that rotation, those fresh legs. So it's very exciting. Yeah, you got to have it. And then uh, flipping sides of the ball, obviously Gardner Minshew came in after Mike Glennon's just awful first half, and then pick to start the second half. It's been clear that Minshew should have been in the game for a couple of weeks now, in my opinion. Ever since he returned to 100% health, he should have entered the starting lineup immediately. I don't think he's going to come in and completely change the complexion of the team, but you saw he was able to be more efficient passing the ball. He was able to make some plays with his legs. The offense just looked a little bit more, uh, a little more dangerous with him on the field. It's a different style of offense with all three of these quarterbacks, really. I think, obviously, Glennon and Luton are going to have a little bit more of the same play calling. But with Gardner, there's a lot you can't do, but there's a lot more that you can do. He's going to be able to extend those plays. He's going to be able to get out of the pocket. You want to run bootlegs. You want to get him in motion. You know, stuff like that. that You're not going to be able to see a guy like Glennon do. And, you know, I personally thought, you know, prior to this game, you know, when, when Doug was talking about Glennon being the guy with the best chance to win, I fully bought into that. With Gardner being on the shelf for so long, with this offense, you know, kind of improving a little bit over the last few weeks, I thought that maybe he was the guy that gave us the best chance to win at the time. Now, don't confuse that with me thinking he's the best quarterback on the roster because I, that's not what I think at all. But at the time, I thought he gave us the best chance to win. But it was very, very evident, especially on Sunday, that Gardner just provides another another outlet for this offense to be effective. And, you know, it's it's more of him not being a statue back there and be able to to make plays when there aren't plays to be made. You've just got to hope that when there are plays there, he's not missing reads. He's making smart decisions and good throws on time because that was something he struggled with initially. And, um, you know, that's something that that's going to have to change going forward. Obviously, we've only got a few games left, but if you want this offense to be effective, things like that cannot be holding this team back. You know, he's got to make the plays that are there 
and then also capitalize on making plays when there isn't a play there. But you you can't be turning the ball over. You can't be making the wrong decisions. You know when there's when there's an open play right in front of you. Um, something that he struggled with in the past. So we'll see how it goes for the next three games. He's probably auditioning for the backup job at this point, point. Um, and that's pretty much about it. Yeah, or another team's backup job. Definitely a three game audition here for him to show like what he showed at the end of last year and in the first couple games of this season. And hopefully he's able to help out one of his receivers who has been increasingly frustrated lately, DJ Chark. He was targeted nine times, only caught two of the passes uh, thrown his way. It was so weird. It looked like every time DJ Chark got open in this game, Glennon or Minshew didn't throw him the ball, but then when he wasn't open, they tried to force him the ball. It was the strangest dichotomy. Like you can't hit him when he's open, but you go after him when he's covered well by Malcolm Butler. It was very strange, but I just hope that they can find him moving forward a little bit better. Just he's a guy that needs to have that confidence going into the off season. Cause he's talented as heck. I don't know if he's still going to be labeled as that true wide receiver one, but he's absolutely a starting receiver on. Uh, he he can be a starting receiver on a very potent passing attack. No doubt about it, and I think that he should be a centerpiece going forward, especially with the new quarterback that the Jaguars uh, will get in, in the new year. I think any young quarterback coming into a team like this, you want young guys around you, young playmakers. I think that is exactly what DJ Chark is. And you're right. It's extremely frustrating to see how they're using him. And this is exactly what I was talking about just a few moments ago. When the plays are there, you've got to make them. When you have DJ Chark open, go to him. Give him the ball. Get those plays that are there for you. And then when he's covered, you know we can't be forcing things. I know we've talked about this in the past. Give him as many looks as you can. That's the kind of receiver he is on this team. He's a guy who needs to get 10 to 15 targets a game, and and 10 catches a game need to be a bare minimum. But at the same time, you can't be forcing stuff like that. I know it's a catch-22, and it's very frustrating. When you become a guy that teams are trying to take away your skill set from the offense, like I think Chark is, not because he's necessarily the best receiver in the league, but he's one of the only potent offensive threats this offense has. So obviously they're going to key in on him. James Robinson has kind of stepped that up as well. And he's become one of those guys, but you know, that's just part of the game. And you know, when that happens, you've got to go elsewhere to make plays. And then those plays will open back up for DJ Tark when they have to start focusing elsewhere. When you can prove to them that when they take away a player, you can go find somebody else to make plays for you. And that just wasn't happening on Sunday. Yeah, and speaking of James Robinson, he didn't have much room to work either. Uh, He got a touchdown called back, and the Titans were loading up a box against him. But that did not stop him from becoming the fastest undrafted free agent ever to eclipse 1,000 rushing yards. He he eclipsed that this past weekend against the Titans on his long 40-something yard run down the left side. So just awesome for James Robinson. We pour his praises every week on here, but he deserves it again now that he's you know, gotten this this next milestone, uh, this next feather in his cap. He will be the biggest Pro Bowl snub of this year. Mark my words. I don't know that I started doing a Pro Bowl game, but if they do Pro Bowl teams, it's going to be the biggest snub. But he's not even just in the top echelon of the rookies. He's in the top echelon of the league for total yards. In the top four. Yeah, I mean, he's third in rushing yeah. yards. And, and, and so you're telling me that, there. I mean, how many backs make a Pro Bowl team? I mean, there's multiple, so he's obviously, by all accounts, you know, deserving of that spot. So I just I can't wait for 
him to get snubbed and just, you know, the national media and then this continuous just downplaying of the Jaguars talent. I know that we're not a great team. I know they're not a good market, but you've got to recognize the talent when it's there. This is the NFL. And this kid has proved that he is worthy of all the recognition and every potential award that should come his way. Yeah. And uh, speaking of a lot of talent, the Jaguars week, week 15 opponent, they're pretty talented. They got Lamar Jackson, who's coming in fresh off a big divisional win over the Browns on the road. A suspicious mid-game trip to the locker room due to cramps, quote-unquote. Um, <laughs> I don't want to dive too deep into that, but obviously there's been plenty of fun memes. And I saw a Ringer article, the headline was Lamar Dumps Browns. I was like, oh gosh, this is fantastic. Absolutely. I, I've seen that shuffle before, and I don't know if that was a cramp shuffle. But again, <laughs> we'll, we won't dive too deep into it, but been there before. Don't know. Uh, don't know if we're getting the whole truth, but you couldn't have said any better. I mean, this team is just absolutely loaded with talent. They've had uh, an unfortunate circumstance the last few weeks with COVID. And I think that's really kind of held them back. But you saw what they did the other night to the Browns. I mean, that was a great game, probably the game of the year so far. Defensively, they definitely left a lot to be desired, but offensively, I mean that 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 team looked like no one was going to stop them that night. So um, when you're Pairing them up against uh, the peewee football defense the Jaguars have. I mean, the Ravens should be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, all game long. Yeah, they're 8-5 and five now. They're fighting for a playoff spot. They're on the outside looking in right now, but um, you'd have to imagine they're going to make a strong push down the stretch here. They're favored by 13 at home against the Jaguars. Wow. That is quite the line there. So uh, we'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I- it's a lot. 13's a lot, but I'd still probably take it just because of how beat up the Jaguars are. The Jaguars have covered double-digit spreads uh, this year. So, you know, in the NFL, that that's a big number, man. I don't care who you are. It is. It's that's huge. a huge number. But, you know, I mean, if <laughs> if anyone's going to give it up, it's going to be the Jaguars. I mean, you've seen some of the blowouts they've, they've put on the field. Uh, over the course of the season, so I wouldn't be surprised. At the same time, man, if, if you're a, if you're a betting man, that's a really tough one to lay your eye on. That 13 spread is just that's a big number. Yeah, it really is. And on paper, they are one of the best teams in football. Like you mentioned, with COVID and some other things going on, they haven't really found that same consistency that they're used to. But they've won two straight uh, with big offensive outputs. Uh, I don't think the Jacks can contend with a healthy Lamar. Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Hollywood-Brown. I just think they have too much firepower on offense, and they're going to be too physical for the Jaguars to hold up in the trenches against them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just all around on paper, on the field, however you want to put it, this team is just just better. I mean, there's not really one aspect of this game – that I can look at the Jaguars and say, you know, they might have a slight advantage or even just be even in any department. So, you know, I fully expect this team to come in and, and really, like I said, they're making that playoff push. So they have a little bit of extra motivation. They have to win this game. They cannot drop a dud here in the last three weeks. And I'm most interested to see, um, you know, how some former Jaguars do uh, against their team. Uh, Minch, you had some fun with it today. I know you were covering that. 
you know, Calais is too nice to talk trash, but Jan's out for blood. Um, you know, this is kind of off topic, but I don't know if you watched that Browns Ravens game the other night, but Jan wasn't on the field as much as one would expect. And I don't know if that has to do with his lack of production. Maybe he's not looking as great over there, but they've got him marked as an outside linebacker. So he looks like he's definitely gonna be a pass rush specialist, which makes sense to me, as you know, we are all very familiar with his struggles in the run game, um, you know, when his hand was in the dirt. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys really attack this team this week. And then if their focus is on revenge, I have to assume that Jan's uh, hungry for a big one this weekend. Yeah. And uh, they're pretty much only using him as a situational pass rusher at this point. They don't want him on the field when they're trying to stop the run, that's kind of what the Vikings had talked about as well. They just couldn't get him out there because he was not effective against the run. But um, yeah, Calais, he's obviously good on, you know, stopping the run and helping uh, create some pressure. They've got all sorts of cats to roll out at you and throw at you though, with Juden and even Patrick Queen is getting some pressures. They're sending him blitzing. They're not afraid to bring that extra pressure. So Gardner Minch is going to have his hands full, not only because they have a talented front, but because they have a front where they're, like I said, willing to bring those extra guys and to create more pressure. We've, um, We've seen this from the Ravens consistently. This has never been something new. The Ravens like to blitz, and they're going to come after you, and Gardner's going to have his hands full with guys up the middle, off the edge, you know, exotic blitzes coming from different areas. It's going to be tough, you know, especially for him to see with his size over that line. They've got some big cats up there. I mean, Calais himself is 6'8". We know we saw that firsthand in Jacksonville, you know, what a man of that size can do to disrupt quarterbacks, even when he's not getting pressure. Yeah. Um, and they've got great talent on the back end as well when you look at their corners and uh, all those guys. So I'm guessing the Jaguars offense honestly performs about how it did against the Titans last week. Uh, maybe one more scoring drive, but this is a tough, tough matchup for the Jaguars offense against the Ravens defense, even if the Ravens defense isn't playing at the highest level. Right yeah, now. Like you said, even if it's not, I mean, the Jags just don't have the talent to even, I think, compete. They've got really killers at every single level. I mean, defensive line, like you just said, secondary, we hadn't even gotten there yet. And I mean, just thinking about the players they have on that back end, they've got seasoned vets. They've got young stars. They've got everything that you could need on that defense. And like you said, Jan is a situational pass rusher because they've got other guys that can come in and play that position stout. They don't need him. And that's just something we didn't see in Jacksonville. He had to be on the field pretty much all the time. You know, even when he wasn't great in the run because we did not have cats that could go out there and fill that hole, and they do. So they're just a complete team from top to bottom, if you ask me. Um, You know, we saw what Lamar can do in the passing game when it's there, Um, and and I think it's going to be there a lot. So whether they want to run the ball, pass the ball, whatever they want to do against this defense, and then defensively from the Ravens' perspective, whatever they want to throw at this offense, I think they're going to be able to control this game from start to finish. Yeah, I do too. I'm just hopefully going to be looking for hopefully the – Running game can get going a little bit more than it did last week. You want to see James Robinson have a little bit more room to work with. You want to see Chark get the ball more. Obviously, you would like to continue to see Visca and Colin and Keelan and those guys get involved in the passing game. Um, Tyler Eifert's been making some nice catches lately as well, some nice contested catches. So hope you just want to see the guys uh, go out there and make some plays, and they're not going to be able to, to compete down the stretch in this one probably. But if they can just keep – from down to down, giving it their their best shot, and hopefully Gardner Minshew can find the guys down the field a little bit. Um, 
that's going to pretty much do it. I mean, the Jaguars don't have much of a chance against this Ravens team. I think this would be like the upset of the year. <laughs> the Ravens coming off the game of the year against the Browns. This would be the upset of the year if the Jaguars could actually make this a competitive contest into the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, I want to jump into some free agency talk. We always talk about the draft. So let's go ahead and talk about what actually comes first chronologically, which is free agency. Of course, follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski. Follow myself at Jordan DeLugo and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. So the Jaguars have some decisions to make on some in-house free agents, uh, key decisions. Cam Robinson, I think, is the biggest one because it's left tackle. It's just the most one of the most important positions in football, certainly. And uh, they've also got Keelan Cole, wide receiver. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Sidney Jones, the cornerback who they just got so lucky, fell into their laps uh, this summer as, after the Eagles released him and they brought him in and kind of groomed him up. And now he's playing very good football for them. DJ Hayden, who's missed a lot of the year, he's been an excellent slot corner. Um, he's a free agent. He's up there in age now. He definitely doesn't fit into the age profile you would think of a rebuilding team. And then you got Dewan Smoot, who's uh, he's been making plays. He forced a fumble against the Titans. Uh, so you got a lot of guys you got to make decisions about. I think the conversation starts with Cam Robinson because he is the left tackle. Like I said, one of the most important positions in the game. Absolutely, and and you couldn't have said it any better. That's the perfect map. I mean, first you go with your young guys who would be cornerstones of this team on their second contract, and Cam Robinson is obviously the first one that comes to mind. Is that a guy who you can see not only being one of your most consistent players going forward, but is that a guy that you can see having great great room to improve? I mean, he's got to improve. He's not He's not in the top echelon of left tackles, especially at that position. Below right, average, and it's right so now. important to have – that guy for your quarterback, you know, you don't want to see an Andrew Luck situation where, you know, the guy just gets hit too early on and, and it just shortens his career or, you know, that doesn't allow for that quarterback, whoever it may be to develop, you know, like they need to coming into this team. There's going to be a lot of holes. That is one that you have to fill. And now there are options out there. If you don't think that he's that guy, maybe you draft one and sign a veteran in free agency and allow them to kind of coach up a young guy to you know take over going forward. There are some older vets I think you could probably get for a little bit cheaper uh, going into next year, and that's something that they should definitely consider. I think DJ Hayden's walking. Um, you know, like you said, the age thing. He's just he's just not a guy that is in the future plans. Not a guy that you want to you know really wrap up any kind of serious money into. I mean, if he wants to take you know, a minimum contract and not a minimum, like the veteran minimum, but a smaller contract to stay here for another year or two because his career is winding down, then I understand that. You know, he's still a, a savvy vet who could probably really provide some locker room leadership and maybe help out some of the younger guys, but not a guy that you see in your future plans. Um, Dewan Smoot, same thing. You know, he, he, he he's going to want, I think, more money than he's worth, just by the way he's talking. Hopefully not. Hopefully he understands where he stands. Keelan Cole is a guy that you want in that locker room as well. One guy that we didn't mention that, you know, is, is going to have, um, you know, something to think about, not this year, but next also is, is Brandon Linder going on IR. You know, injuries have been a, a huge thing with him. Is this something that you want to plan for his replacement? Maybe a year early sign a, a young guy and, and kind of 
you know, have that depth going into next season, allow him to learn the system and get a year under his belt before he's thrown into the fire, whether that be through the draft or free agency. But I think you have a lot of options going into this offseason and a lot of free agents on the board still that could make a big impact on your team and a lot of money to spend with the new GM. So I think free agency could get really interesting this year for the Jaguars. Hopefully that whole culture thing is out the window. People would want to come here. I mean, we can offer some people some good money. And there are a lot of free agents I think are going to have an immediate impact on a team that's going to be looking to rebuild quickly, especially with a top quarterback in the draft. Yeah. um, So the Jaguars, uh, you might not know, but the Jaguars have the most salary cap space in football heading into the offseason. So that's huge, obviously, for retaining some of these guys if you want to or going out and getting some of the other free agents that could be available. So Cam Robinson, going back to him, SpotRack has him valued at $11.3 million per year, and I just have a hard time swallowing that number for a guy that's below average. I know that's not an elite left tackle contract, but he's not even an average left tackle at this point in his career. He is only 25. Could he improve down the road? Sure. I do like his toughness. I I like his demeanor on the field, but I just cannot see paying him $11.3 million per. Uh, now, when you think about it, if you just pay him $11.3 million per year or in that range, and you only basically guarantee it for two or so years, it's really not going to affect you long term. So you could do it, but you're really you're behind the eight ball at left tackle, even if you bring Cam Robinson back, in my opinion. So I think uh, the better strategy would be getting a cheaper free agent and drafting someone, like you said. I wouldn't be completely against bringing Robinson back. I don't think he's absolutely terrible, but I I just don't think he's even an average starting left tackle at this point. And uh, the rest of the guys, I think out of all of them, the only one that you absolutely are like, you got to bring this guy back is Sidney Jones. He has clearly shown the ability to be a good number two outside corner and you can't just let that go by the way and he's still young as well and and has shown the promise and potential of being a really good player in this league and and i think you've got a guy on a second chance i think you you continue to give him that chance he's shown even in this season some improvement and he's shown to be effective and like you said he's a really good number two um a really young number two and and i don't think that you throw that by the wayside at all um, what I'm curious of, you know, that we're, now that we're speaking on the free agency side of things, is, is on offense and defense, and we'll start on offense since we're kind of already there talking about Cam, and this might play into it. What position do you think the Jaguars need to target the most on the offense in this free agency? Uh, for me, it's actually pretty easy, you know, depending on what happens with Cam Robinson. Um you got to either keep him or sign a veteran, like you said. You could go after a guy like um, uh, Carolina's left tackle, Russell Okung. He's been playing good football. He's 33 years old, so he's a guy that maybe isn't trying to go to a rebuild, maybe wants to go to a championship contender. Then you've got Cameron Irving, who really struggled most of his career, former first-round pick, but he's come on with the Cowboys. He's injured right now, but he's had a good season for the Cowboys. He's an unrestricted free agent. So you could look at one of those two guys or maybe a cheaper guy as well uh, just to be a stopgap kind of guy while you go get a uh, first or second round pick at left tackle that you feel comfortable with moving forward in the future. But for me, when you're looking at other uh, free agents, I think on offense, the very best position that's going to be uh, 
flooded with talent in the free agent market, which is where I want to attack. I don't want to just attack a position to attack it. I want to go get somebody who can actually be an impact player if you're going to pay them that type of money that you have to pay on the free agent market. It's wide receiver. You've got Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Will Fuller, and even Keelan Cole if you just want to go that route. You've got a ton of guys out there uh, that that are going to be impact players on a team next year that are unrestricted free agents. I can understand that. I think we have enough youth in the wide receiver room. I don't necessarily think that would be my focus. If you're looking for a pass catcher, I, w- I would go the tight end route. Uh, maybe dump some money. You've got that. I go agree. And we got Hunter Henry out there this year, I believe. And and looking at this list as well, I mean, there's yep. there's some other guys out there. I think John New Smith. If you want to attack a pass catch player, a pass catching player, I think it has to be tight end. You you you've lacked the production of a really really good tight end for some time now. And Eifert has made some plays this year. Don't get me wrong, but he's obviously on the tail end of his career, and he might be. A good number two. Yeah. He's under contract next year, but if you don't want to pay him next year, you don't have to because his dead cap hit is only uh, a little over a million. So you could save about $5 million by parting ways with him if you do want to go attack the tight end position, which I would be fine with. I, I agree with you there. I just think you've got a better opportunity to land a real impact guy at wide receiver because there's more – uh, there's just more volume available but to you. Who do but you, I'm do- totally down to go attack a Hunter Henry or a John Who snaps you take away then if you bring in a wide receiver? Because you've got these young guys that you need to be on the field playing and proving. Well, if you go get if you go get A-Rob or Kenny Galladay, obviously <laughs> they're your number one. DJ Chark's your number two. LaVisca's your three. Collins, your Absolutely. four. I think Absolutely. you love that. Um, and then Juju or Chris Godwin – you go get one of those guys, they're going to be in the slot. Then you've got DJ and LaVisca on the outside. Maybe you draft someone as well, and you got Colin behind them. And then Sammy and Alan Lazard and Keelan Cole, those are more complimentary players at this point. Will Fuller, he can obviously play on the outside as well. So I, I just – I'm at the point where I'm at in the day and age with the NFL where you cannot have enough good pass Yeah, I, I can understand that. And obviously you look at Kansas City – see how many pass catchers they have um, at every level. And and that's obviously been a recipe for success for them. So I, I understand that. I hear that. I still think a lot of money needs to be dumped into the offensive line um, as well. I like the offensive line, though. I really do. I mean, Andrew Norwell is playing good football. Brandon Linder's playing good football. His backup, Tyler Shatley, plays good football. A.J. Can has had a bounce-back year. Who knows if he'll do it again. So I could see addressing offensive guard at some point, whether it be free agency or the draft. And then you're not going to get rid of Jawan Taylor yet, even though he's having a down second year. You still like what he could become. You're right, right and I don't hate the offensive line, but they're just not good enough. You can get better. You should never shy away from getting better. I think especially on the interior Yes, Norwell is going to stay. He's had a lot of uh, a lot of money tied up in him, and he has improved. And he's supposed to be a guy who's going to be one of our focal points. I'm more looking at the guard position, right guard. If you're that confident in a guy like Ben Barch that he needs to be playing, I don't think AJ Can is the answer. He hasn't been the answer for the last couple of years. I think his time is done. The offensive line. He's been good this year, though. He's, they, they've been better, but they've also had James Robinson makes a lot of these plays. I, th- I think I truly think he makes a lot of these plays. He's getting hit in the backfield and and making it three or four yards a carry. You know, he's not 
it's not like this offensive line is, is consistently he also does find, find a hole, but they're not there are they're not consistent. We're not consistently seeing this offensive line go out there every single drive and just bust holes left and right. They're not an elite group. Are they improved? You're they're right. better. They're they elite. you can always get better, just like you're saying with pass catchers. We've got a lot of young good pass catchers that we need to develop and improve, but you know, you never want to say you know, we won't have another. And I think that's the same with the offensive line. You know, yes, is Tyler Shatley a great backup? He is. And if we need him to come in and play, he does. But he's there's a reason why he's a backup. There's a reason why he's not getting starts consistently. You know, it's just it. you come and you bring a guy in, and if the guy's going to make that unit that much better, there's no reason not to. And I think that guard position is something that we really need to keen in on, especially with James Robinson, who's a guy going to be running a lot in between the tackles. That's where I think we would focus. So do we have? I mean, you can look mind? at somebody like Joe Thune, who's out there. He's gonna he's gonna come in with a lot of money, yeah. but he's still younger. Um, he's proven himself in the league to be a really good offensive lineman. Um, Brandon Scherf as well, about the same age, gonna command a little bit of money. But you know, these are the guys on these on these teams that you you know Washington doesn't have the best offensive line, but Scherf is definitely a standout. And then in New England, they they usually have a pretty good offensive front. These are guys that you see consistently making plays consistently at the top of, of their positional charts. I mean, it, 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 there's no reason not to go out and get a guy like that. In my opinion, even if you think, if you think you've got a guy in Barch, then he should be there. You know, that just, there, there's too many red flags to say, what if I think there's always a reason why to those questions, if that makes sense, you know, and you're saying, well, what about this guy? Well, if that guy was really that guy, then he'd be in there and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Just let Barch develop. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I think if you've got the ability to go get a Brandon Scherf or a Joe Thune, I'm totally fine with throwing them there and there and uh, having your interior group be one of those guys with Norwell and Linder at center. So I like that a lot. I'm with you. Um, I do think on the defensive side of the ball, I'm also really interested in looking at defensive end. Obviously, you've got Josh Allen. Oh, we've got a dog that is whining like crazy back here. But you've got Josh Allen at defensive end. You've also got Caleb Von Chase on coming up, starting to play well. You're excited about that. Um, Dewan Smoot, who knows if he stays, if he goes. I think you can better allocate your money by spending a little bit more money than you would spend on Dewan Smoot and getting a better overall player. You've got guys like Shaq Barrett, Jadavion Clowney, even uh, Matt Judon from the Ravens or Bud Dupree. Those guys are both unrestricted free agents from the Ravens and Steelers. Uh, if you've got three, four systems coming in, blitzing systems, I think Dupree or Judon would work. I think Shaq Barrett or Clowney, as long as you're just letting them line up on the edge, uh, you're going to get a lot of production from either of those guys. So I'm really interested in potentially trying to pursue one of those guys. And you've got Von Miller and Melvin Ingram as well, who are both older, who will command a lot of money but because miller and ingram are out there it could push down the value of barrett Clowney, judon dupree absolutely guys like and that. i think defensive end is is one of the first things that my eye caught when i was looking at this free agent list safety as well but more defensive end and i think you're right i think the biggest thing with this defense especially you know the front seven and talking more so specifically about the defensive line is we don't have a very strong rotation the guys that are out there are out there consistently and you're talking about Chase On and some of these younger guys are going to get pushed back. That's probably okay. Chase On is probably better in certain situations. I think we're seeing that. There's no reason why that you can't have a couple thumpers for first, second, third down, you know, short yardage situations, stuff like that. Rotate in your speed guys off the edge when you get into second, third, and long. Great teams, great defenses do that. We were just talking about Baltimore. 
You know, what do they have with Ngakwe? He's a great pass rusher. They're situationally using him as a pass rusher when they need to, when down and distance calls for it, because they've got other guys along that defensive line, along those edges that could play other scenarios better. Jaguars don't have that. I think you don't necessarily have to go for a top tier guy like Shaq Barrett. Um, I think we've got some young guys that have kind of that skill set that we can use, but there's no reason why you couldn't look at going and getting a guy, like you said, like maybe Bud Dupree, um, Melvin Ingram, Leonard Williams, somebody bigger on the edge like Leonard to kind of get down and give you that that strong run stopping. Clowney as well, but you can even go down this list and look at guys who aren't going to cost that much. Tyrone Crawford maybe. Um, you know, you're even looking at Trent Murphy out of Buffalo. They're just guys that I think will provide great depth. Solomon Thomas, they don't necessarily have to come in and be stars, but we need more depth for certain situations on defense. I'm out on Solomon Thomas, but Leonard Williams, who you brought up, you can bring him in as a defensive end or a defensive tackle. He's only 27. He's been playing very strong football for the Giants. That would maybe be the guy I would be most interested in in this entire free agent class. Uh, I don't care how much you have to pay him because he's a guy, you pair him with Devon Hamilton and the interior, you love that. You can also stand him up, or excuse me, not stand him up, but push him out on the edge as well, and he can handle that. So he's a guy that's just so versatile, and I think he would absolutely really improve the Jaguars' defensive front and make them more formidable. He's a guy that can be an impact player. Immediately, and, and he has that flexibility. Like you said, you can line him up inside. You can line him up outside. You can, If a team likes to run outside the tackles, stretch plays, you know, get, get the backs outside, put them on the outside, set that edge. If, if teams like to run between the tackles, put him in the middle. He's an impact player immediately, and I think we need more rotation on that defensive line to fit multiple scenarios because I just think right now we don't have it. Teams can attack us outside uh, because tackles are able to manhandle our, our edge defenders, and, and teams can attack us up the middle as well because I don't think we have that staunch of, of a run defense. So I think a lot of these guys can come in, play specific roles, and you'll see guys like Costin move around and start to fill his role as well. I think it would just help the defense overall to have more depth along the line. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, for me, I, I coming into this conversation, I'm really looking at that wide receiver group. Also the defensive line group, you brought up great points with those tight ends, Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, Either one of those guys would really upgrade that position, would really help out whoever you draft at quarterback. And then also that offensive guard spot at, at right guard, I agree with you. They could definitely stand to upgrade that. And uh, they've got the money to do all this. So that's what's really exciting. And they've also got the money to uh, try to lock up DJ Shark if they if, if he's down to start negotiating his second uh, contract. And then also, of course, they need to bring back the Sidney Jones uh bring him back as well. So that's where I'm at when you look at free agency. Obviously, we've got a ways to go. We don't even know who the general manager and coach is going to be next year. But uh, I think you've got a nice little blueprint of where the Jaguars can improve and what positions really have some It's going to be very exciting over the next six months. I mean, it really is with everything coming up with free agency, with the draft. I know we're looking ahead already, and we should be because the season's a wash. This is over. Jaguars fans need to look ahead. Let's be honest. But – there is so much potential in this situation. You have to be a little bit crazy to not, you know, expect big things from this franchise. I mean, I know we said in the past, but 
right now, I think is is a huge turning point. This offseason is going to be a huge turning point for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Things are either going to get really, really good, or they're going to get botched again. It's going to be really, really bad. I don't think there's any in between. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, um, Jaguars are usually about as mediocre as it gets, mediocre to bad. They've uh, had a few blips on the radar in terms of being really good at times throughout their franchise. But yeah, hopefully they've, you know, you got to get the right GM and coach combination, and then you've got to go attack free agency, get some guys who can be impact players. Um, and then obviously you got to hit some home runs in the draft. Got to get that franchise quarterback. Speaking of the draft, the Jaguars still hold the number two pick at this point. They can get to number one if they lose out and the Jets somehow find a way to win a game. Uh, they do the Jets play the Patriots to end the season, which they played them very tough earlier in the year. But the Jets are playing pretty bad football right now. Um, the only way the Jaguars lose a spot in the top two is if they win two of their final three games. And of course, they play the Ravens, they host the Bears, and then they take on the Colts. It's very unlikely looking at it that the Jaguars would win two of those three, considering they've lost 12 straight. Um, but not only would they have to win two of those three, but the Bengals would have to lose out, which we can probably expect will happen. But the Jaguars are sitting in a great position. In all likelihood, uh, the probability is that they're going to end up with that number. It's two. not a bad spot for them to be in, and I, I still don't think that would be the set scenario. I think if you're the Jets, you don't even listen to any talks at all for number one. I think you just unplug your phone. But if they are listening, the Jaguars have enough in my mind to move up, and I know that we differ on this opinion, but I think if it's there, you go for it. You go get that guy. Um, I know that you you go guy. to number one and you get Trevor Lawrence, and I will take that until we see what happens next April. I know that you and I will talk about it a bunch in these upcoming months, but I think that he's just still the better prospect and, and the better player to make an immediate impact on this team with what we currently have, and that might change, but I think I will hold true to that until April. But we'll see. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, the bottom line is with both players, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, you're nitpicking if you don't like them. There are minor things about their game that you want to see them improve. Uh, Most of it's just mental processing type stuff. But physically, those guys can do it all. They've done it against great teams. They've got awesome production, all the arm talent in the world all the work ethic, all the mobility. They're just great prospects. I love both of them. I also love Zach Wilson, who will be a top five pick. That's our bet. Got it on the board. Got to bring it up at the end of I was going to ask you before we we close this thing out how you're feeling about that because it it seems to be slowly slipping away from you. Um, And for everybody... I feel great. I think if you're looking too much into anything happening right now, uh, I, I wouldn't do that. Obviously, I think there's a long process ahead of us. Zach Wilson has a great arm, great mobility. He's a great kid. I think he'll end up in the top five. I'm still very confident with that. And we have not decided uh, what we're going to do, uh, whoever wins or loses this bet, like what the punishment's going to be for the loser. So uh, if you guys, our listeners, have any suggestions, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. We might end up doing a poll or something like that. We'll figure it out. But if you guys have any suggestions, uh, go ahead and hit us up. You can hit Jeremy up at Jeremy Markoski on Twitter, myself at Jordan DeLugo, or Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. You got any closing thoughts, Jeremy? No, I don't. I don't. I think uh, we kind of wrapped it all up, and I don't want to get into anything that's going to keep us going because we have a lot to talk about over the next few months, and and we're going to hit it 
uh, every single show that we have. So I think that's all for today. Yeah, man. Good talks. Good talks for sure. Of course, try to enjoy week 15 of the NFL season. You know, of course, keep tabs on the draft. If you're if you're following along this weekend, we are going to start getting some Saturday games, which will be a little fun uh, to end the regular season and then get into the playoffs. Three weeks left. Uh, the Jaguars need to lose two of these three games to guarantee themselves a spot in the top two of the draft. But that's going to do it for the show. Shout out to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. We always appreciate their support. We, of course, appreciate your support as well. All the listeners, uh, please leave us review on iTunes or whatever app you listen on to the podcast. Helps other people find us. We really appreciate your support. Enjoy week 15 of the NFL season, and thanks for listening.